Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I am thrilled to bring you a special five-part series on the evolution of compliance from disconnected to connected. This podcast series is sponsored by GAN Integrity. First, a few words from our sponsor, GAN Integrity. I had the chance to speak with the team at GAN Integrity, or GAN as they like to call it, which offers truly connected compliance technology. Through this process, I learned about how their platform is transforming the way compliance teams function. GAN has an interesting story having started as a compliance consultancy in Europe back in 2004. During their work with global organizations, they realized there was an opportunity to create a new type of technology platform, and they have done just that. GAN Connect has six integrated modules that can power your entire compliance program. Today, GAN works with an impressive list of companies across the globe and is growing rapidly. In fact, they just closed a $15 million Series B in funding. GAN is thinking about compliance in a whole new light and solving critical problems the industry has had for years. I enjoyed getting to learn more about connected compliance, and I know you will too. The topics we take up in this series include what is disconnected compliance and how can compliance become connected, how to build a connected compliance program, how connected technology works, and finally, the human side of compliance. In this fifth and final episode, I'm joined again by Valerie Charles, the Chief Strategy Officer at GAN Integrity, where we tie it all together and add the human side of compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Back again for another episode. I'm joined by Valerie Charles, and today we're going to look at the human side of compliance. So, Valerie, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Valerie, um, both you and I professionally uh, kind of grew up as lawyers, and so we uh, are very attuned to the human side of not only compliance, but working in a corporation. So I wanted to really use that as an introduction to start off with, from your experience uh, and where you are now, what do you see as making a successful compliance officer inside of an organization? Well, it's different, right, depending on the industry and the size of the organization. But here's what I will say that we see uh, regularly and what I've begun to realize uh, makes great leadership and compliance. I I think you have to be a strategic partner to the business and you have to be able to determine um, when your team in compliance should be making judgment calls versus when you should be relying on kind of objective data. And I think, you know, striking that balance, getting the uniformity so that uh, you have uh, predictability in the way that the organization is going to respond to issues and problems that arise, that's really important. But you also have to, you know, factor in the the judgment and the human judgment that's always going to, to, to come in. I mean, I think we deal with a lot of teams that say, well, this crazy technology that you that you have is, is fantastic, but you know there's no substitute for human judgment. And I would agree. I mean, I think that there there's a time and a place for technology to come in, and it's to uh, replace sort of administrative activities and and allow you to use your judgment um, with the full set of facts, you know, with with all of the data in front of you. And I think the really great compliance leaders um, they find the way for their teams to be using that human judgment um, as often as possible and with the right uh, set of data behind them. So how do you see a um, compliance officer 
humming or be able being able to even become more connected within their organization. So I think, I mean, one example here would be uh, real-time transparency. I think that when you have uh, successful compliance leadership, they're not just sort of setting policies, procedures, and controls from some office, you know, maybe in Europe or in the U.S. for the rest of the world, but they're actually following what's happening in the organization in real time. So if you have access and transparency uh, to your team, whether that's uh, looking at looking at again objective data, or whether that's having a close enough relationship with your eyes and ears and team members on the ground in all of the regional uh, places where the where the business operates, um, being able to respond to things that are going on, to change procedure when necessary, to change policy when necessary, to react and and uh, discipline w- when necessary. I mean, I think doing those things in real time and 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 being in the know. Um, is is part of what makes that really critical, as well as recognizing trends as they emerge. Um, you want to make decisions based on on gut, but you also want to make decisions based on data. And so, I think having that kind of real time information and transparency is critically important to uh, to effective leadership and 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 to uh, the CCO really being uh, involved in, on the ground in all of the places uh, in the business. Uh, Valerie, I also uh, observe that that is what the Department of Justice uh, would like to see. They call it something different. They call it operationalizing compliance, but pushing compliance in a real-time manner with transparency down to the individual business units is exactly what the government says a compliance program should be striving to do now. Absolutely. I mean, I think historically, you know, before I was in-house and I worked as an outside counsel, we used to be hired, you know, annually by a number of clients to participate alongside audit folks um, and forensics people, you know, in annual risk assessments. And and what the the product of that would be, you know, would be some huge document that somebody, you know, reads and sets some annual goals based on it. And then it sits on a shelf somewhere. I mean, literally physically on a shelf somewhere. And I think, that is all changed. I think operationalizing compliance also means that you can't have an annual or even quarterly um, update on what's going on in the program. You know, like it really has to be operationalized in such a way that you're sharing information uh, not only with the with the regional business units uh, floating up to the corporate compliance folks, but it also means sharing information back and forth with the other business units, procurement, finance, and again, reacting in real time. Valerie, one of the things I've noted throughout this podcast series has been the comment of elevating a compliance function. Uh, Who uh, would would you say needs to be involved for compliance to be elevated as a function within an organization? I mean, I think sometimes you still have this concept that compliance is maybe somehow hall monitor, somehow the redheaded stepchild of legal. I mean, really, that's that's not the case. I mean, I think for compliance to be effective, you have to be uh, understanding the business in, in even, frankly, a more fundamental way than the, than the legal department has to understand the business. You need to know how money flows through the business to be able to figure out where controls need to be. Um, you know, that's from onboarding where you're working with HR or procurement where you're onboarding a, a new third party. That's all the way through the life of 
the relationship with your employees and with your with your outside third parties and business partners. I mean, I think if you don't have involvement and buy-in uh, from, at a minimum, HR, procurement, you know, finance, audit, um, you don't really have a working program. You know, I, I think that it's critically important also that the human personality of the compliance leader is somebody that can uh, go and explain what's going on, listen uh, to the other business units and, and what they're doing, and then come up with uh, kind of solutions where those other leaders have also bought in uh, to the program so that everything that you're doing um, is supported and is realistic. I mean, I think we, we all know a million examples of, um, you know, non-prosecution agreements and deferred prosecution agreements where the, where the description of the facts by the government uh, describes some kind of paper program that was, was never going to work, you know, it was never going to be real. And I think that the effective compliance leadership is understanding the business so well that you can operationalize in a way that is absolutely doable, um, where, where these processes and procedures are going to be followed, where the leadership in the other business units, in marketing and sales, um, places where you have the most risk, um, where people won't think it's too onerous. I mean, it really is a very... Uh, it has to be a creative job, but it has to be a personality that can um, sort of herd cats in that way. So, Valerie, uh, I really wanted to end with uh, sort of this open-ended question, but really get your views on how can compliance professionals and compliance officers advocate for a more connected compliance program within their organization? Well, look, I mean, I think... I think that people don't realize there's a problem, so they don't realize that they need a solution to the problem. I mean, I think it's it's very common that it's the norm. And frankly, when I was in my last role, I went and, you know, bought six different external systems to support my program. So when I think about connected compliance, I do, you know, because I work with GAN, I think about a standard platform where all the different activities of a global compliance program can be, can be managed and monitored. And so for me, I mean, I think if you actually look at some of the reports that come, come out of that and you look at some of the ability to have data feeds coming to and from uh, finance in particular, I mean, these are, these are powerful um, capabilities. And I think that it, Looking, you know, look, I'm, maybe I'm just uh, too much of a sort of visual person, but for me, seeing uh, the maps and the charts and the uh, reports that that we have in the GAN platform, it's to to me, it's a it's a no brainer that to have all of these, you know, siloed, separate uh, systems to manage this stuff, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's wildly inefficient, and so I think, you know. I think, first of all, becoming informed about what's out in the marketplace, uh, both in terms of hires and also in terms of uh, technology to support the program. I mean, I think understanding how different types of backgrounds, I mean, we're seeing uh, more and more people that have different backgrounds working in compliance. It's not all lawyers these days. I think that's a good thing. I think that, you know, the the technology being uh, evolving in the way that it's evolving, which is to a place that will be integrated for, you know, easy self-serve reporting. All of that stuff is powerful. And I, I really think that, you know, becoming educated about that and then going and making a presentation. I mean, I've basically never seen anybody who really 
takes the time to go make the argument for, um, you know, a specific type of headcount or a specific type of technology. But if you, if you bother to, to do your homework and then show why you need the update, you typically get it. Um, so I think, you know, again, it's, it's about being a good advocate, you know, for your business unit. If you're, if you're running compliance, I think pushing harder, you know, for more headcount, pushing harder for more, for more budget and better technology. I mean, that's all part of the job. Well, Valerie, uh, unfortunately, we are at the end uh, now, but this is just a fascinating exploration of various forms uh, and issues around connected compliance. So I wanted to thank you again for uh, not only taking the time to visit with me for this episode, but really uh, throughout this uh, entire podcast series. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part podcast series on the evolution of compliance from disconnected to connected, which has been sponsored by GAN Integrity. If you have any questions, please check out the GAN Integrity website, ganintegrity.com. We've linked to it in the show notes. I hope you'll join me again next week for another special podcast series. This special podcast series on evolution of compliance from disconnected to connected has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.